Hello, hello, and a very summer welcome to all of you listening to our podcast. Uh, this is Prospect Paperbacks. I'm Tara. I'm Alex. I'm Josh. I'm Melissa. And we're discussing Ida by Alison Evans. So we're going to throw firstly to Alex, who's going to give a bit of an introduction about the author, which will set the context for the book. So Alison Evans is an amazing Melbourne writer um, who goes by they, they them, their pronouns, as do some of the characters in the book. Um, the book itself is about a young woman named Ida who can kind of switch between parallel universes and the story follows her as she, her powers kind of fall apart a little bit and she seems to lose control of her world. And I am in love. <laughs> I'm really glad that someone is. And I, what I love about this is every single book we discuss, there are such polar opposites in this room. Um, and so, yeah, Dynamite. This is definitely one of those. Um, I, I enjoyed the second half of the book yeah. where I felt like she got over addressing all of the issues and yeah. putting all of those, you know, because the, the characters could have been anything. Yeah. And so I get that she doesn't hasn't read or there are not a lot of books out there that sort of address um people with Do you mean um, she is and they, they <laughs> that address a lot of um Trans transgender and queer and, and, yep, and lgbtq yep. um things so i understand yep. wanting to put those characters and but she didn't explain the they their pronoun mm. thing mm. very clearly in the book mm. i didn't think you know, and, and so Daisy could have been queer, yeah. or however you want to say it, but that character kind of petered out and became less important in the book, and, and so did Frank, who was her transgender brother. Cousin. Cousin, cousin, cousin sorry. Yeah, and so it was, it was just a bit like, okay, I want to get this stuff in because yeah. there's not enough books written with these sorts of characters in it. Yeah. But, and then we got to the good part of the story yeah. where it actually talked about her powers and, and the jumping back in time. And, you know, um, that, that for me was very frustrating. I sort of, I found the first part, half of the book really confusing. And then I think the, the second half of the book I really enjoyed because it was like she'd got over that stuff and now she's talking about like, well, now we're really getting into the story and the, you know... Um, the premise of everything. So I wonder if, and um, Alex, you're a little bit younger than us. Mm -hmm. You, so just putting it out there, we do have still an official youth. I would say. Oh, I'm not this week. Oh, oh, no, I'm still stretching it. They keep stretching yeah, it, don't they? Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're still technically the youngest person in the room. The, do yeah. you think, Alex, that the reason that there wasn't a huge amount of explanation about the um, they pronouns is the fact that young people reading this, because it's a teenage novel, would get it? Because there's a lot of uh, sexual education, um, safe, like safety education that's done mm. in schools around the mental health of LGBTQI. And is that, plus. do you reckon plus. why, <laughs> plus, and do you reckon that is why it's given that this, this person goes by those pronouns, their name's Daisy, which is, you know, a very feminine name, and then we'll leave it at that. And it's really only someone who's maybe hasn't had that education yet because we're older that would mm. struggle with that what do you think i think that maybe it's not explained a lot partially because the author themselves is queer and it's yeah. kind of it's inclusive it's a book mm. from a queer person mm. for queer people yeah. as well as everybody else yeah so yeah. i think it's and by presenting it that way it's like 
well, it doesn't need explanation because they're just folks. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, I, I don't need to explain myself as a she, so yeah. why should Daisy has, have to explain their selves as yeah. a they? Yeah. No, I think that's part, kind of where it's coming I from. What I kept thinking was, so are they split personality? That was where my confusion lay. The, the, because of the fantasy kind of elements? Like yeah, it could be something totally not different. Not only the fantasy, the... but just calling them they, yeah. when it, we knew it was one person, yeah. made me think, okay, is it Daisy? And mm. they go by Daisy, but there's actually more than yeah. one personality, not one gender. Yeah, yeah I think that's mm. what possibly us older generations... Yeah, I like, think we like, might be a generational it, thing, the grammatical Like why, sense. you know, they is plural why why would you can refer to yourself as in the plural it's the only neural non but that would have made more sense okay. to me saying he yeah. she yeah. he you know he slash she yeah would have made more sense to yeah. me to understand mm. or even if there was maybe an explanation about why they was used and yeah. maybe a tiny bit of yeah, yeah i don't know i mean for me that wasn't a struggle i there was maybe a page or two of they and then I was completely comfortable with it. And I don't think I noticed it so much in future pages. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think there's a lot of, in Australian culture, like expressions of, uh, reflections of Australian culture in forms of art. And I think I'm mostly thinking movies, but sometimes books. Sometimes when something's a new concept to popular culture, it feels workshopped because it's the first time it's existed mm. in the popular sphere. Yeah. And I'm thinking about Christos Chalkas' book, The Slap. There was a lot of, this person represents this part of modern Australia, this person represents this part of modern Australia, that it almost felt like it had been focus group to find the most representative mm. of what we consider a temp contemporary Australia. Mm. The other um, I would consider a version of this would be, have any of you guys ever seen the ABC series Time of Our Lives? No. Oh, it was really good. I would it recommend it. It sounds familiar and I'm trying yeah, to Yeah, I'm sure you was... can get it from your library. Yeah. Can everyone listen <laughs> to this? Make it your, your summer homework to um, see if you can find Time of Our Lives because that one was like that as well. It It is was jarring for the first episode or two in the setup because part of me cynically thought, oh, this sounds like, you know, ABC spent, you know, 20 grand on a focus group to find out what you know, would be the most edgy contemporary expressions of Australian culture, but it only feels like that because it's new to... The to guy it. who played Kenny? Yeah, 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 yeah Shane yeah, Jacobson. Yeah, yeah. That. that was good, So, I, yeah, I it's funny that. because when I was reading it, I was thinking of that response in me for those couple of pages being that jarring, oh, this is new to me, but then I lost that feeling once I dove into the book, and there always has to be a first... I don't, I think, and I don't think it really was felt. me feeling yeah. that it was yeah. jarring. Yeah. I think it was she got over talking about it yeah, and then, and then started talking about it. Yeah. yeah, right. I, yeah. I kind of I agree with Tosh. Like it was sort of yeah. in two parts. And mm -hmm. I when I first started reading it, I thought, okay, this book is going to be about transgender, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. that sort of thing. And then you know you get halfway through when it's not it's exactly. about the Time the other the other part of the story mm -hmm. and i think that's actually probably a, a good thing that there was the uh it's relatable yeah. doesn't matter you know if you're transgender or not mm -hmm. um you can actually you can relate to the story and that's what i got out of it and i'm like mm -hmm. that's that bit of it yeah. um as far as the maybe not relatable but the the actual um other part of the story 
uh, storyline about the time traveling. Mm. You know, that's interest to anybody. You don't have to be transgender mm. in order to to enjoy that. Part. that yeah. yeah, we have to like fantasy or speculative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Otherwise, yeah. I hate it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, what did we all kind of think of the story elements like with it. the parallel universe <laughs> shifting, etc.? I liked yeah, it. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. yeah. I loved it, but it made me so anxious Mm. that I really loved the way it was written in that Ida felt so out of control Mm. in so many of the the passages of the book and with so many of the shifts. She was so out of control, and I thought... Evans conveyed that really well. Mm. Like I was sitting on the edge of my on the edge of my bed, just oh no, oh no, what is happening? Gotta stop, gotta sit down. <laughs> it was and it just sped really up, good. didn't it? it, it I, did speed up. She really created pace in the story. I mean, already she threw us into the action in the first chapter of the book. We knew straight away that this was going to have that speculative fantasy element to it, which was really cool. I like it when you get thrown into the action straight away. There was that, and then there was the setup after that, which then was that jarring bit that you were referring to before, Tash. But then sort of the last quarter of the book, it just, those changes was yeah. faster and faster and faster and faster. And yeah, and little hints, you know, of... And who are those other people? Who are like, they? Like Justice yeah. and Damaris. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. What's going on with them? And they yeah. went off on holiday. And so, yeah. okay, so what's happening with you now? Yeah. Yeah. We never find out anything more about them. And I mean... You could easily make this into a second book. Yeah, yeah. So I'm assuming yeah, this is that. what she's going to do shortly. Because it's a new book. Yeah, yeah. It's, if she doesn't, I'd read it. Way. I'd read it if there isn't. Yeah, it um, was a second. Yeah. It became a series. Although some parts of it kind of made it seem like that could be the end because mm. she's decided this is the point that she's starting. She's not going to be um, jumping around anymore mm. like she was. Mm. She's resigned to the fact that she's not going to. Um, uh, spoiler alert! Can't say too much more. <laughs> <laughs> there are some things yeah. that she won't. Revisit. She has to let go of. Yes, mm. but then there's right. a particular career option which opens up potentially. That's right. <laughs> so this is yeah. yeah. Was, that would another universe. In another universe. <laughs> and I, I thought it was cool. There was a hint of what her dad would be like without her. The kind of elements of neglect mm. in the areas in the universes where potentially she didn't exist mm. because of actions that she'd had. In yeah. um, the parallel shifting doors thing, wasn't oh, it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. What if and who doesn't happened? love that movie? Yeah. You know, it, what, what do you think of Gwyneth Paltrow? Sliding doors yeah, and so forth. And I like in it, you know, you just get a sort of glimpse into her, like Tasha was saying, like where she's sort of at in life. And um, I felt bad for her mm. a lot of times because when the other two um, were, you know, trying to track her down, they said, mm. oh, she's just going back if she doesn't like the cereal that she picked mm. out you know like she was having a really hard time accepting, accepting everyday decisions yeah. so she'd go back and try and change them mm-hmm. um and i just found that really sort of profound that yeah. she wasn't really it's also a coping. bit of a juvenile mindset of not oh, yeah. not thinking about the consequences of your yeah. actions you know what i mean Absolutely. like you know that didn't work so mm. i'm just stuff i'm just gonna Sweep that and start again. But yeah. also, I mean, you think about other ways that she had avoided making decisions. She hadn't decided on a career yeah. because she didn't want to make decisions. She was, you know, afraid of consequences. 
something significant. Mm. And listeners, I've just edited out what that was because I've spoiled you. Um, <laughs> I've, I've um, edited out what I what I accidentally was going to say, but something significant happens in her past that decides her destiny with regards to not being able to make decisions and not being able to be satisfied with the outcomes of decisions. And yeah, I thought that was a very clever kind of psychoanalysis of what would happen if Mm. someone had gifts, such as these supernatural gifts, but it had something devastating happen to them in their past. But also what she's doing is as she comes to realise, is basically killing off yes. yeah. other versions of herself. Yeah. You know, that were so yeah. you know, like that really she, struck me when she yeah. said that. Like, mm. that there's these, she, you know, in which one of these mm. scenarios is she dead, mm. you know? And the, yeah. yeah. And the reality would still continue. Like, yeah. her father yeah. would have to be, yeah. like, in a life without certain people mm. in, in his life. Yeah. You know, so, Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool. Also, yeah, I, I got to say, massive. It some teenage fictions feel a little bit clumsy in the writing to me because it's an adult trying to write from the point of view of a teenager. I think that Alison Evans in Ida had that to a degree, and I think you know, picking up on the concept. Well, she's still around, only young herself, oh, okay. but that, yes. That yeah, is. how old is? How um, old are they? I think they're around my age, yeah, maybe right. more yeah, or two. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I would say around. Has, is this her first? Is this their yeah. first book? And I think it's <laughs> hundred, isn't it? Yeah. I think it is their first like yeah. published novel. Yeah. They've just got another one that's coming mm. out very soon, but yeah. they've published a bunch like short yeah. stories. In I mean, it's definitely got that, that, sort of thing. that newness to the writing style, and and but also I think sometimes it's not even down to that. It's the difficulty that we have in writing from the point of view of a teenager because mm. we. I don't know, I think that sometimes we oversimplify language when we're writing for a younger audience. Mm. I don't know why we do that. Yeah. I don't know that our language is really that much more developed in our 20s than it is in our teens. I think what, you know, you, you go through so much as a young person that you're pretty much a full human, aren't mm. you? Um, sort of by the time you're a, a later teenager anyway. And she's writing about someone who's about 18, 19. So I think that there wasn't really any writing down that she necessarily needed to have done. Mm. 18, 19? Yeah, I think that is 19. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mm. just smashing, smashing book, Alison Evans. You're a legend, and I salute you. (laughs) (laughs) I really loved the the difficulty that Ida had kind of picking a career and Mm. talking to her dad about picking a career. I think that that felt so real to me, like uncomfortably real Mm. about not being able to make a decision because everything seems kind of pointless and it just feels like, well, this isn't going to work anyway. Why should I try? I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I think that fit in really well Mm. with the making snap decisions with this kind Mm. of magic universal power. I I really liked that. Mm. That makes me sad though to hear you say that. Like, because I've got, you know, pre-teen and teenage children myself mm. and thinking that you wouldn't attempt something because you think you think you mm. already know how it's going to eventuate mm. and so you think why bother but you don't know how it's going to eventuate things could be successful like yeah. why would you be in that mindset when you haven't even given anything a try i guess it's a sense of overwhelm yeah i think there is a sense of being overwhelmed and also like perhaps you've tried a lot before and maybe it's not trying everything but mm. it you get to a point where it's quite demoralizing mm. to continue trying mm. and I, I feel like that really came through mm. with Ida like yeah. how she'd applied for 50 jobs or something yeah. and you know even though they were 
just one step above her, mm. her not very satisfying job work. It was still quite difficult, mm. and I, I thought that was very real the way that was described. Yeah, I think it would be a really challenging time being a young person. I think probably from about 2008 to now, the opportunities for young people economically in, in Australia have become more and more difficult. Uh, I think that, you know, and I was just reflecting to you today, Tart, how, you know, I've always been grateful working in libraries. I know that jobs in libraries, you know, they've, they've no, never been really enormous amounts, you know, they, they are like hen's teeth. But I think that it's getting to the point now with, with our field and I think many fields where people expect you to, they expect you to have a tertiary education, but they expect you to also have work experience. They expect you to have life experience, they expect you to have all of these things, but how are you supposed to get them in, unless anyone gives you a chance? And I think... Catch 22. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, is, am I maybe hitting, hitting it a bit on the mark here? Yeah. yeah. It, yep. I can't imagine <laughs> what that would be like. And I feel like I was just... Of, I mean, I'm 35, but I feel like I was just of the last age where it was actually almost easy to, to get into a field, you know? See, so. I was... I was in my mid-twenties when I decided that my first career teaching wasn't what I wanted to do and that working with books and working in the library was what I wanted to do. So I still had my working at a bowling alley job while I was doing work experience, like volunteering Mm. a year at a a library Mm. to get my foot in the door and get that experience. So sometimes I think you actually have to put yourself out there and still do something for free like volunteering is an excellent way usually to get that experience um to get your foot in the door because quite a lot of the time it's it's also people then knowing you Mm. and that's what gives you the opportunity to you know do what you want to do that's it and we may have mentioned listeners before but uh alex who is obviously not just our regular but this podcast itself would not exist without alex Mm. is her concept that she brought to us and she volunteers her own time. She pitched it to us. She she volunteers her own time. Of all of us here, she's the one who's donating her time. So I think I what I know of all young people, and I'm still going to squeeze you into that just <laughs> in that cohort, is how much drive they've got and how how you have to these days. Yeah. So there's actually no... Volunteering wasn't a thing when I was a young person. I remember going for some sort of citizen of the year prize or something which I wasn't even really in the running for because uh, whilst I had the public speaking down pat how, are you surprised by that <laughs> uh, I, they were like cool where do you volunteer and the concept of volunteering wasn't even something that I knew of mm. as a young person that, that people even did so I think that now it's an imperative people are expected mm. to be these full citizens and yeah so but it I, wasn't, I wasn't doing it to be a full citizen no, I was doing it because I wanted yeah, to get a job and like I did two yeah. weeks yeah. voluntary work in a bookshop wow. without pay oh. going there every day being wow. there all day every day yeah. so that I could show mm. my work ethic and yeah. then I would get a job that way so you know it's also Absolutely. putting yeah. in the hours and putting yeah. yourself out there so you're not just going to be handed something I had to do that as yeah. you know in same thing I was I was 25 when mm. I moved to Australia mm. and I had to volunteer at the state library to even even get to know anybody because I had no connections in in Australia and that yeah not something that I normally would have done back in the US because I've already had library jobs exactly you know so yeah it is so I guess what you're saying is 
time travel or, <laughs> or dimension shifting is just not a solution if you're really wanting no, to get into right. the workforce yeah. in the 21st Volunteer. century. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I'm trying to find a good segue into it. The other part of our portion of our podcast is an extra little treat for your summer is to give you some ideas, uh, listeners, of some uh, books that we have thoroughly enjoyed uh, ourselves, just personal favourites for some extra added titles. Who wants to kick it off with their favourite titles? Sorry, I can go. Um, Yeah. So my... could not pick favourite titles. I kind of picked favourite authors. So Geraldine Brooks, uh, Foreign Correspondence, and The Year of the Plague. Oh, year of the what? No, it was The Year oh, of the Plague. Year of the Plague. And she had the Everything other one, Year of Wonders. Yeah. Oh, Year of Everything. Wonders. March. Year of yeah. Wonders, sorry. Yeah, Year, Year of Wonders. wonders. Everything yes. pretty well that she's written. Yeah. Um, George R. R. Martin, mm. um, the Wheel of Time series. Robin Hobb, pretty well everything that mm. she's written, those three. Oh, I could not pick. And then it was, you know, like C.S. Lewis, Lion, yeah. the Witch in the Wardrobe. Wow. When I was, you know, in primary school, my auntie sent me the yes. whole series mm. and just, you know, fell in love. What about Harry Potter? Well, see, I was already working here when that came yeah. out. That's how old I am. Mm. Um, but, you know, like there's just there's too many. But mm. definitely Geraldine Brooks. Uh, the Year of Wonders was mm, fantastic. That's a beautiful book. And yeah, the first Wheel of Time book mm. and anything about mm. What about you, Mel? Oh God. Okay. Um, so The Little Prince, um, which is translated from the French, and I want to get Alex to say the author's name because you don't want me to say it in my <laughs> Alabama accent. I'll give it a go. Le Petit Prince par Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Very good. Oh, I love it when you speak French. That's one of my favourite books. Um, It's often put in the children's section, the teenage section, and the adult section because it just crosses over so many. uh, I think any book that has the word lugubrious in it should be in the (laughs) adult section. Sections just because it's a big word and I had to look it up myself. Um, That's why it should be in the children's section because then they can just go and look it up. Mm. It's vocabulary expansion. Mm. But it's such a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, It has allegories and I just love it. It's just a lifelong favourite. Another one of my favourites is A Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess. And another one is called I, Claudius by Robert Graves. So it's a historical sort of based on the Emperor Claudius in the Roman Empire oh. and it's just full of so many like intrigue and um, based on a lot of facts and everything and it was a, there was a BBC mm. production I think back in the 70s of, of this book it was something like a 10 part series but yeah I just love it it was just so much you know Roman intrigue where he kills his wife and then marries his you know sister and they have, you know, he's the stepfather of Nero and all this. It was really good. Nice and sorted. Yes, that sounds really entertaining. So I've chosen three and it was extremely hard to do. So these ones aren't my favourite books, but they're like the, the starting books of my favourite series recently. So The Lies of Locke Lamora, I've, I've recommended this book. It's by Scott Lynch. I've recommended this book to about five different people and all of them have loved it so much that they've bought multiple copies, like the audio and the paper. So why have we then, not read it for here? Because it's a, there's already three books in the series and they're reasonably long. 
Oh my goodness, it's so good. It's a heist. <laughs> I love every single thing about it. It's got the most, like, it's a fantasy novel, but it's got the most realistic and wholesome, but also, like, you know, it's got violence and magic and all that sort of thing. But it's got the most realistic relationships I've ever read. Mm-hmm. I mean, some unrealistic ones too, but it's just perfect, and I love every single mm-hmm. word. Also, Never Night by Jay Kristoff, who's a Melbourne writer, uh, is fantastic dark fantasy for the kind of new adult scene I won't say young adult because it's quite uh, graphically violent in parts Um, and he himself on his Twitter says Nevernight is not a young adult book but it does feature young adults so that is about a young woman named Mia who goes to kind of an assassin school and it's very dark and shifty and good and the third one I read just this weekend and it's called Every Heart a Doorway by Seanan Maguire and it's a very short novel you can read it in an afternoon um, and it is about children who have gone through Alice in Wonderland style portals and then returned and how that has affected their lives. Ooh, that sounds like a support group. Do they it's a boarding school. Oh, oh, yeah. It sounds amazing. It is so whimsical oh, and yeah. inclusive and beautifully written and it's so easy and I just loved everything about it oh. uh, and I just bought the second book oh. today to, to read. So those are the, my three Excellent. for the moment. Beautiful. Well I've got a couple of authors uh, I went through a massive phase which was started by probably reading Matt Margaret Atwood of just being obsessed with classic dystopian. So Margaret Atwood, I'm just going to say hands down, is my favourite author. And the reason why is uh, she is the only author I've ever read who is able to so successfully pivot through different genres and styles. So she does satirical Ben Elton-esque style Uh, she can do beautiful historical romance or you know historical tragedy rather and you know and obviously she's got the one sort of serious dystopian that everyone knows her for which is The Handman's Tale which is hands down my favourite book ever so George Orwell I would then follow that up with 1984 is a beautiful beautiful book Um, and I also really loved uh, a couple of his that just uh, let the Aspidistra fly, I think it's called, and it's a weird one that he's not really known for. What wasn't commercially successful, but if you get hold of the audio book, it is narrated by Richard E. Grant. I it will him. just yeah. totally make your <laughs> afternoon. Uh, and yeah, he's divine. It's really cool. It's about a story of a guy who was always questioning kind of the corporate path and it's in the set in the 20s I believe and he wonders whether just kind of backing out of that and becoming really kind of anti-establishment and working part-time in a bookstop store would be really for him uh, he then ends up completely slumming it you know becoming almost destitute but then because he's a man he is able just to pick up his talented corporate career as a graphic designer and instantly uh, earn more than his partner who stayed on at that same firm plugging away slaving away trying to earn money as a graphic designer so I I thought I mean I'm, I'm not a graphic designer interestingly my husband is but and he's got way more I think work ethic than the protagonist in this book but <laughs> I thought it was interesting that see George Orwell himself if you read Down and Out in Paris and London would know is Oh, I mean, he was such a tragic figure, but he was such a, a passionate advocate for social justice, and he had such anger about the way um, people in poverty, particularly in London, were treated. 
And he kind of did slum it himself. And I think in that he was aware that he was doing it from a position of privilege. And he wrote the book for people in positions of privilege who would be the ones who would be wealthy enough to buy a book and read a book. So yeah, it's an interesting one because I think he pokes a bit of fun at himself uh, in that book, but it's actually a really painfully serious, because obviously he was a bit of a um, depressed kind of individual anyway, all well. So it, it does have this really painful, painfully serious moral um, point to the entire thing. But yeah, so I would say all well and Atwood are my favorites of all time. I'm gonna follow that up with Sonia Hartner, particularly for her book, The Ghost Child, which is, devastating and beautiful and at the time that I read it I wasn't aware of certain things that would happen in my life that would make it resonate for me I've only read it once but I, I keep needing to go back and read it again and I haven't actually I never like reading it the second time but I, I really need to because it's just it's beautiful uh, it was uh, nominated as for the CBCA as the Children's Book Week Award I don't maybe years ago I'm saying that eight years ago um, but it's stuck with me ever since as the moment I finished reading it, I think I must have read it in one sitting. I just sobbed loudly afterwards. It was just beautiful. So if you can find it, it's it probably was written at least eight years ago, maybe longer. If you can get hold of Sonia Hartnett's Ghost Child, I recommend it. But I also recommend whenever the Children's Book Week Awards come out, when they're nominated around late March, it's fun just to read a couple from the shortlist. And I can't think of anything more romantic than a librarian getting her husband to read to her before bed uh, teenage and children's books that have been chosen for the Book Week Awards. That sounds amazing. <laughs> He's got a lovely gentle voice. So, yeah, I, I def they're, they're the ones that with all my heart, I, I really need someone to read so I can just have that resonate with them. As, mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah, cool these. Perfect. Thank you for sticking with us, everybody. Uh, the next one we're going to be reading is Hagseed by Margaret Atwood. Bring so it on. Oh, yeah. oh my God, I really want to start talking about it now. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thank you all for listening and I hope you're going to have a gorgeous summer. And uh, by the time you uh, listen to this, I'm sure it's going to be late January. So hopefully you've been able to hit the beach at least once. And uh, yeah, so uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.